Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None except. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk man. I back it up. And we are talk full of that, man. right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. And that's the bottom line. Just Stone Cold said so. If you're gonna blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Rod Babers, I'm going to need your help with this. I want the listening audience to take a look at their clock, and no matter what time it reads, what does it mean, Rod? Oh, you still sucks! Thank you, Woo! sir. It's a beautiful thing. Dude. It is a Red River Victory Edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. I am Jeff Howe. Look, does the team need to move on from the win? Yes. Does Tom Herman need to get the team ready to go play Baylor? Absolutely. Do we have to move on? Absolutely not. We can enjoy this <laughs> one as long as we want. And we're going to do it this week on the Blitz. Yeah, sports is a playground. During the, during the Baylor game, we're still going to be talking about OU a little yes. bit. Yes. <laughs> like, hey, you guys remember that tunnel screen that popped for 20 yards <laughs> last week? Yeah, we're going to talk a lot about the OU game. We'll also get you ready for Baylor. As ninth-ranked Texas, Texas is back in the top ten in the AP poll. For the first time since 2010, before everything went to hell in a handbasket around here. Hmm. Starting oh, to turn that corner, wow. fellas, slowly. It's like a battleship, but it's starting to turn. If you just, just give me a flashback to a that UCLA bit. game, whenever it was like, oh, man, this is not good in uh, 2010. No, it was before that Iowa State game was when it hit uh, it, it hit, hit, you. Know, it hit the shan for me. I was like, they beat oh, Nebraska. This, well, they beat Nebraska they beat the week Nebraska before. That year. And you're thinking, saying. hey, all right. I was like, okay, you know what? They're not so bad. No, <laughs> they're really. Iowa State's like, no, they're really bad. Yeah. We were talking about GD <laughs> earlier, and that Gilbert box score is one fun one to look at. And they've been showing that Nebraska game on LHN this offseason. I watched it. That was fun. It's not as fun as the K-State box score from that year where oh. I think Garrett Gilbert threw like 59 passes. Still a school record. Or something. Is it 59, man? Yep, still a school record. And mm. I think five picks. Colin Klein beat Texas throwing the ball I think literally four times. I think it was like two for four passing. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't yeah. stop him running. Yeah, it was matter. two completions because that was the stat always <laughs> that uh, two completions beat Texas. But that was, yeah, yeah. yeah. When you run for like nine hundred yards, that was a pre- that was a preview to the Taysom Hill that was mm. later. I was getting flashbacks <laughs> last night too, watching exactly. Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill, hey, you know what? Taysom Hill's killing it in the league. You know yes. what? Sean Payton finding a way to use him there on everything. Go. So, hey, Longhorn fans, don't feel so the bad. white Vince Young at one the time. The white Vince Young. White What'd you call him, Rod V White? The V White man. Yes, he's cold out there, dog, with a with a knee brace on. We you know, watched that many. game. That game that ended. That Longhorn bitch or Longhorn Blitz pitcher. Wow, that's a mixture of all of them together. But that actually, yeah, uh, that's the picture that you see on our SoundCloud page, and that's from a Taysom Hill game. Oh, that is. That crazy. game in Provo ended with a defensive coordinator getting fired, and Mike Stoops got Diazed after yep. this game. Oh, uh, great word. Yes. I like that. Diazed. So <laughs> let let me go ahead and season changes a Diaz. Let me go Texas. ahead and bring in, with all due respect to Manny Diaz, who has proven himself to be a worthy. Very true. FBS defense. Shout out to Manny Diaz. Mm-hmm. Um, let me bring in the rest of the team. He's the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, Matt Butler. Matt, how did you enjoy this Texas OU weekend? Oh, man, it was a good one. And like I was telling our boy Rod, who had a birthday over the weekend, it couldn't right. have been better for him being that Texas beat Oklahoma Astros win. Then you have the Texans take on the Cowboys. Boom. So it's a good sports weekend. I got to watch it with our buddy Travis that does our video stuff normally. And then, yeah, I couldn't believe how it was unfolding. It was a shootout. It sort of felt like a modern-day version of like that Eight game with just you know haymaker after haymaker. Aren't the Cougars still really good right now? Houston, Houston? Cougars good. I mean, uh, yeah, I'll Houston look it up. I, I bet. I think, Cougars are doing pretty good. I think they beat Tulsa this last week. This may week. be one look. of the best times in the history of Houston sports. Actually, anything about the because obviously a lot of those are local fans in H Town, and then you got the Texans. With the win over the Cowboys and then the Astros, of course, on their way too. So yeah, that's pretty good. That that rarely happens. I don't know if that's ever happened. I still get freaked out looking at U of H's schedule and seeing they're first in the American West, like the AAC, and I'm like the American League West. Like what are we talking about? Here? <laughs> the AL West. Yeah, it even they, yeah. is red also. Yeah. 
Yeah. So there you go. Houston uh, represent. And you know what? Good weekend. My birthday was Ooh. on Texas OU, uh, Texas OU game day. So yes. that's always a good thing. Belated birthday yeah. to the third member of our team, our lockdown corner here on the show, Lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All-American, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award, fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the CFL when he was done with football. Got himself back to Austin, Texas in the 40 acres where he earned his degree. His tearing is on the way, and when he gets it in, he <laughs> will wear it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. Thank you Rod, for the intro, brother. So I want to start this look back at a 48-45 win for Texas over Oklahoma. Let's do it. With a couple of superlatives, the 48 points, the most points scored by Texas in the history of this rivalry. And, guys, Texas did it with no non-offensive touchdowns. That's 48 all by Cameron Dicker and the offense. Yeah, Cameron Dicker, who now becomes a legend. Um, and I don't know. I don't know why his family hasn't done it yet. I haven't seen mm-hmm. enough T-shirts. No I want the Dicker family to get the money from this, people. We should not be trying to make money off the Dicker family. That's why I have not started making the T-shirts, okay? We're just we reminding simple, everybody about it. All right, Cameron the Dicker. All right, we can, you know, Dicker right down the middle. Whatever it is, whatever pun you want to come up with. It's one of those things that we all feel good with the Dicker puns because – First of all, his family has had this name forever, so I'm sure his family probably has the best puns out of any of us. Yeah. But then it's one of those things that it sounds dirty, but it's not dirty because that's his name. It just sounds <laughs> dirty. It's like Niggly Wiggly. You know what I mean? Like Nick, you know what I don't know what is? that is. So you know what Niggly Wiggly is? No, no. Sounds like a racial slur, but it's not. <laughs> yes. A Niggly Wiggly is that little white thing in your Hershey's Kisses. Oh wow! That little white thing that coming out. Yeah. That is a niggly wiggly. All right. Very opposite. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like a a, fl- a fluffy nutter. You know what a fluffy nutter is? No, but you know I've actually heard of is? this. All right. It is a it is a sandwich that is marshmallow and peanut butter I with white have bread. Seen that. That's a fluffer nutter. But it sounds dirty. It but sounds it's a lot up. cleaner than yes. niggly wiggly. That is Dicker the Kicker. It sounds dirty, but it's not. You can yes. say it out loud, and the kids can say it too. Dicker the Kicker, who's now a hero. That guy's he gonna is. be a hero for years to come. So Cameron Dicker uh kicks field goals, the offense scores touchdowns. Texas five for five in the red zone on this deal. I believe it's only the second time ever Texas has gotten five hundred yards of total offense or more against Oklahoma. The Offense scores on eight of 13 drives, scored on seven of their first nine. Guys, that's where we really need to start. And it starts with Mike Stoops, who, you know, if you'd have told me, if you'd have told me back in 2003, back when Oklahoma, Rod, and you were part of some of these, had a pretty convincing run of success against Texas. If you'd have told me back then that Mike Stoops would have a quote after the game where he said the following. Let me find the quote because this shows you how much show prep I do. <laughs> I read it I when you tweeted do. it, though. I did see that. Yeah, yeah. and we the talked physicality. about physicality. Yeah, as in I don't it's do the show rare. prep at all. Okay, this was Mike Stoops' quote after the game, and this is a partial quote because Twitter, you can only get so many characters in there. <laughs> I thought they played more physical than we did today. That's an area we obviously need to get better in. Just our physicality across the board. Yeah. Holy Chicago, Rod! Texas knocks Mike Stoops out of Norman. They KO Oklahoma, and talking to the Texas players after the game, they said there was a point in the third quarter they could kind of feel Oklahoma's will starting to break. And I know we talked about explosive plays. We talked about a lot of things with this game. But for me, this game always boils down to who wins the battle at the line of scrimmage and who is the more physical football team. And once again in this series, they haven't always won the game, but Texas was the more physical football team than Oklahoma. It, it usually materializes in the running game. Uh, that's why the winner of the rushing battle usually wins, what, 80% of the time. This is one of those rare occurrences where it did not materialize in the running game. I think Oklahoma wins the rushing battle. Not that yeah. on that Kyler Murray big run. And we can get they win the rushing too, battle. Yeah. I think where you saw the physicality of Texas, and this is – I actually can't think of a Texas OU game where I saw the physicality materialize on this level. Maybe uh, maybe like 08, maybe back in those days. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you saw it actually on the edges. You saw it with the Texas wide receivers going up against their DBs. Mm-hmm. That's where we saw the physicality right. advantage. And it was crazy. Everything like from yeah, physicality like this, to size. They, yeah, and exactly. They, and they weren't, like I said, they weren't running great routes, little Jordan Humphrey and Con Johnson. They just were kind of punking Oklahoma DBs. That, that route tree didn't have a lot of branches on it, it on Saturday. It reminded me of all, you ever watch DJ DeAndre Hopkins run a route? Oh my god! Like it's never really a great route. He just goes and runs up to the DB and just finds a way to punk Give the me DB the at something. Yeah. <laughs> like you know, he want he wants the physicality. He wants that DB to put his hands on him. That way he knows, oh, I'm going to win this advantage. The, the, he the can advantage box him out like a rebound against DeAndre Hopkins. Yes, you don't you don't want to touch him. Like stay away from him. 
just mm-hmm. got a break on his routes because he doesn't run BJ really Foster clean, him. smooth routes. He's got great hands. And he knows if I get just a tad of separation, throw the ball in my vicinity. My catch radius is awesome, and my hands are unbelievable. And Texas had kind of one of those games with the wide receivers. Yeah, the defensive backs for Oklahoma were terrible, and we talked about how bad the defense was. But they didn't. It wasn't like a, a great route running like, uh, exhibition for the wide receivers. They just kind of punked those DBs, yeah. and they ran a lot of slants, a lot of inside cuts. I, I thought it was interesting that that's where we saw the physicality advance for Texas, not necessarily dominating in the trenches on either side, but on the edges, on the outside yeah. with the wide receiver. And not only winning those 50-50s that sometimes will come up just to the perf, like how Jeff was talking about, when you first have physicality, but then you add, like, say, competitiveness, and then you are maybe as good or better of an athlete in as good or better of a shape. When all those things start to go in your favor, you can see how you can out-endure another good team. And when you look at Texas, the other difference when we talked about it the last couple of weeks was these playmakers that were freshmen, like, who knows if you win the USC or they, if the USC game t- goes in the tide it goes following the Stearns block in return or say the picks in the K-State game or the return by Ingram in K-State like we were saying these differences were last year you were losing one score games and some of these games seemed like the freshman who Texas didn't have last year was the one coming through and this game was the same situation you saw those runs of Ingram that were so big breaking through I think like 13 carries almost had 100 yards you see Dicker you had such kicking issues for the last five years and then like the biggest maybe late defensive play that you see B.J. Foster knocking the ball down DB and making tackles out in space and these are players that when you're adding those to what you already had as the foundation you can really see this team improve quickly the way that you saw sort of that first group at Ohio State I don't want to compare this to them but it's a good comparable one when Herman was there when Michael Brewer from Lake Travis for Virginia Tech went in and beat Ohio State early in the year but that team with a ton of young players mm-hmm. like Michael Thomas and Ezekiel Elliott and I think it was like a you had Von Bell, but that big class that they had and brought in all JT those Barrett players. JT Barrett was a redshirt freshman. Exactly. Yeah. All those play a year two quarterback in the situation. By game 15, game 16, they're way better than they were in game one. Yeah. No, I agree. Uh, but you mentioned the physicality thing. I think Sam Ellinger is also yeah. what he's talking about. You talk about, yeah. I, don't, I don't think it was in the trenches necessarily where they felt where Texas imposed their will and, made, and Texas was more physical, yeah. even though they didn't win the rushing battle. You can't, that's it was, said, yeah. And the, the, the lead tackles for, for Texas were the safeties. Right. The right lead tackles were Caden, well, I believe Brandon Jones, Caden Stearns, and B.J. Foster. It was on the edges where Texas actually solidified themselves as the more physical team. That didn't materialize in the stats, and, and no. Sam Melling was a big part of that. That 230-pound quarterback, Bam Bam Sam, running downhill on you. That's, that's what's a trump card. That's, that's, what's what's a, yeah, <laughs> that's the guy he's talking about. He didn't say it specifically, it. but that's who he's talking about. That's the guy. Uh, that's the area that's I've been talking guy. about, Rod, is, is if you look at the box score, you'd say, well, how was Texas a more physical team? But when you look at the, the passing yardage and you look at the rushing yardage and the disparity there, you know, it's the old Mike Leach theory. Your screen game, in essence, is an extension of your run no game. Doubt. It is. And – Anybody? I mean, there, I'm sure there's a Quan Cosby, Jordan Shipley game that I'm and not I remembering. Say, yeah, you know, with Quan but, that block that he delivered. Lindy Holmes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah so I, I bet during that time, if we really paid attention to it, and we didn't because the offense was so prolific, yeah. mm-hmm. I bet probably Texas was the more physical team on the edges than Chris mm-hmm. Overnight. Yeah, and mm-hmm. the point was, I can't remember the last time I saw Texas run wide receiver screens that were this effective yeah. in a game, where you're probably you're able man. to generate explosive plays through your through your wide receiver screen game. Probably OA. If we it, when we looked at it. Yeah, 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 but if we Jordan, go back and watch some of those games, we'll, we'll, is which is a good one it. to compare to in like the last two times Texas yeah. ever scored 45 points against OU, 08 and 05. But, yeah, Rod, yeah. you talk about Sam Ellinger, and you made a great point a few weeks ago that you know, you got to harness this this unbridled nature that he plays with, which he had, Sam had a great quote leading up to the game. You know, He was asked during the player availability last week, uh, last Tuesday before the game on Saturday, he was asked, are you as much of a gunslinger now as you were a year ago? And he said he was. He said that's just who he is. That's always going to be a part of who he is. But the, as you pointed out, Rod, the staff's ability to channel that and harness that into something productive exactly. where they've taken that and said, you know what, Sam, you're our best short yardage and red zone runner. That's where we're just going to let you go be, as you say, Rod, bam, bam, Sam. And, yep. you know, Kenneth Murray said after the game, he's like, we knew what they were doing in the run game. It's they just couldn't it. stop it. Couldn't stop. They That's the worst thing. They figured it out a few times. Even on that goal line, you can tell they overload yeah. at one point uh, that right side because they know they're going to the they, that Texas is going to the right. I'll say Texas is right side. They're left, and Sam just reads it perfectly. That's he, the great thing so, about that. 
he's so good at that play and that concept that he even they don't check to the other side or anything. Nope, he's like, no, nah, we can run it and I can cut it back and I'm still good. It's, and, it, it, I don't know. You people call it a quarter, as a quarterback stretch, as a quarterback power. Yeah, to me, it's it kind of more of a stretch play because you're yeah. almost reading the the hole where you got to be. You can go all the way outside if you want to. Right. Exactly. You can cut it's it like back. Sam <laughs> read that the play where Oklahoma overloaded. overloaded. He read it perfectly. Hit the cutback lane and he pretty much walked in. In the day of where you play your reads as a quarterback instead of a run pass option, that's just like a stretch option if he wants to go and bust it out or yeah. if it's yeah. in the front. I mean, you're really like a tailback reading a stretch play. That's exactly that what it is. That's why he slow plays it. He's just kind of... And that's the biggest yeah, thing is, if, say, the defense, if you know it's coming and, and you can't they, start they, they, it. If they want to blitz it, then you can find a way you know, to even cut it back even more. Or Yeah, exactly. you got you got to depend on how the defense plays it is how you will decide to execute. And then even if how you play it doesn't matter because the other team's out executing you, it's almost out. You just takes your will out. It's like when they rip your heart out in Temple of Doom. Like you're out there and know what's coming and can't stop it. I love how you took the Temple of Doom, rip your yes. heart out reference, rather than Mortal Kombat. Finishing. I wasn't a big video yeah. game, but I always okay. liked watching the video games. But, I mean, that, <laughs> that scene oh, yeah. when you rip out. Point, no, 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 and no, then just... Dumb and Dumber sort of influences the heart rip out, too. <laughs> we'll, so we'll that, get to, that, We did that to Stoops. We got Diaz we'll, we'll and, get to the, Yeah, we'll get to the defense. Because we got to talk about the Texas defense, the good and the bad. But I want to talk about this offense. And yeah, you got to get on the offense. It's, it's <sighs> Sam deserves more credit than we give him. The fact he's got 163 pass attempts now without an interception. Hmm. Longest streak in Texas football history. That is my favorite stat right now about – Sam Ellinger, that shows the maturity. Just in the Maryland game, we were criticizing him in the late game, critical mm-hmm. turnovers, and we've already seen that maturity in the last five games. That is the reason that they have won five straight. Yes. The mm-hmm. biggest reason they won five straight is that Sam Ellinger has one turnover in the last five games, and he's got 163 passes without interception. It's, that is it. As, as we said last week, it's not sexy, it's not flashy, it but it's pretty damn efficient, and it's effective. effective. Yep. And if you're efficient and effective, you can get a lot done on offense. And I want to stick with the offense uh, and, and talk about it from a couple of different levels. And I want to start with the physicality in the Oklahoma series. And, Rod, you were a part of some of those games in the early 2000s where offensively Texas got pretty much nothing done in this series. And when you look at it, and, and this speaks to Mike Stoops and kind of how the, the, the thing has shifted and it's shifted towards Texas being a more physical team. And I don't know where it went wrong for Oklahoma but just look at the numbers. From 2000 to 2003, and you throw in the 2012 game, that was Mike Stoops' first game back in this series at Oklahoma when he got fired at Arizona and Bob Stoops brought him back on staff at Oklahoma. These are good stats. If you look at the averages for those games, those five games, again, 2000, 2001, 02, 03, and 2012, Texas averaging 240, basically 241 yards a game, averaging on average about 3.9 yards a play. Matt, for an analytics guy, 3, 3.9 a play is not very not good. Not very good. Okay. Uh, rushing yards, 63.6 per game. Uh, it's about 2.4 yards a carry. 19 turnovers by Texas in those games. Wow. Eight total touchdowns. <laughs> They're 19 turnovers. Fast forward that to the five games before this one. These numbers are not including this year, 2013 to 2017. Yeah, yeah. Not this year. Not, not, not including not this updated. year. So this is the five before from 2013 to 2017. Yards per game for Texas goes up from 241 to 394. Wow. Yards per play goes up from 3.9 to 5.4. Matt, you know in yards per play that's oh, yes. an astronomical difference. Well, and if anybody just think about per play, if you're over five per play, that's awesome. Rush, yeah. Rushing yards a game, you're going from about 264 to 207. Yeah, in context, 5.4 to uh, 3.9, that's almost one and a half times the yards per play. Yards per carry, you're going from 2.4 to 4.3. Only five turnovers forced by the Oklahoma defense in that time. 16 total touchdowns for the Texas offense. So going into this game, it wasn't like this was a one-game deal. This has been five, five meetings going into this one where Texas has been the more physical team than Oklahoma and taking it to that Oklahoma defense. Yeah. And done it with... Not great quarterbacks. There's a Case McCoy game in there. There's a Gerard Hurd game in there. There's a Tyrone Swoops game in there. There's a whole era in there. This is during Texas' offensive identity crisis. Right. Probably the most dire Texas has had in the history of its program in terms of offensive identity crisis. And yet they've been able to score on OU. 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Mike Stoops is. Yeah, that was long. We did you a favor, Oklahoma. You're yeah. welcome. Yeah, and, like, and we did Bob you a favor. We, we made there. it so obvious to everybody in the country that he needed to go. Right. Because other than that, it was just a sooner thing. Oh, uh, no, you guys are overreacting. They're going to the college football playoff every year. They get, they're great. They're awesome. It's like, no, no, no. Actually, what's keeping them from winning the college football playoff is their defense. Was their defense. So I think we did them a favor. But you great offense. You look yeah. at you look at Texas Rod right, from a physicality standpoint. Like we said, the the box score doesn't represent the physicality advantage it Texas doesn't. had in this game because no. going into the fourth quarter, you could look at that game and say, "Man, Texas just kind of like you looked at USC and TCU. Man, Texas just kind of beat them down. They punked them. Texas yeah. is punking people. Yeah. I mean, it's just I don't know any other way to say it. They're just punking and, people. And I think <laughs> I think for this team. I think psychologically, when you look at the physicality they're playing with, especially offensively, I think for this team, this program, to beat TCU the way they did yeah. with Gary Patterson, he'll never admit it publicly, but basically waving the white flag in the fourth quarter. Put ta- Jason Garrett. Tap it out. Yeah, you may, when you make, you make Gary Patterson <laughs> tap out, I think psychologically for this Texas team, they thought, hey, man, we, we, we're on to something here. And I think you had the – I think you had, that's a game where you had the team buy in totally because I agree with you on that one. That's when the team's like, oh, holy shit, it's working. Holy yeah. Chicago, yeah. it's work. Whatever, whatever coach has been telling us and we've been buying in, it's working. That's when you have the total buy-in from the team um, behind the burn orange curtain. Now you got the buy-in after Oklahoma from the fans, from the media. Now everybody's bought in. Now yeah. you do have the total buy-in. That hasn't happened in Tech. That's, that's what a signature win will do for you. Right. Now, the, the TCU win was a great win because you got now the guys to buy in. The signature win gets everybody to buy in that okay, now there is progress. There won't be steps backwards, which means which means you no longer play to your competition, which is something we've attributed to this team. Um, and I think, and rightfully so, they play to their competition, whether that be really good competition, top 10, play, uh, top 10 teams they're playing, or if they're playing a Maryland. So now, if this is the signature win, indeed, mm-hmm. you won't play to the level of Baylor. Right. You won't play to the level of Texas Tech. You know what I mean? You, or Kansas. You, or Kansas. You don't play to your level of competition. You play to a certain standard. So I said it's a signature win. I totally believe because I think everybody's now bought in total. Media, fans, even players, locker room, everybody. Boosters, donors, everybody. But now if you go back against this Baylor team and you don't, you play to your competition again, mm-hmm. I can't call it a signature win because that's just you doing what you usually do. You play really good against good teams, and you play bad and subpar against subpar teams. Yeah, and we were talking, I mean, all last year and up to this point, all about the idea of consistency, and we finally can sort of have some evidence that could support that this team may be consistent. Now, you still have to do what you just said, so now we need Texas to perform well against a bad team. That's why why the Baylor game is big to me. And that's why K-State was big, because even though K-State, the situation was tough, the team was a pretty bad team, and and Texas went up 19 points in that game and as they went up in this one 21 points and when you get that in a ball game you separate yourself and if Texas can do that then you can afford the luxuries of a mistake here or there because that's also going to correct and come against Texas because Texas has been taking care of the ball and if you make good decisions that's still going to make you be set up to not turn it over but we know in football turnovers come and the great thing is is right now Texas is protecting the quarterback and the quarterback then has that extra play that a lot of other other opponents don't get and when Texas's defense is wreaking havoc upon the opponents and they don't have that type of X factor it really can be a telling thing now we saw in the Oklahoma game the Kyler Murray Murray was a guy that could answer the same elevator thing so he's a freak exactly yeah, he's, he's, he's an aberration let's be and honest that run, you don't it's got you know unbelievable I mean? to see yeah. hell uh Kyler Murray if you take out that run 10 rushes for 25 yards yeah, that's like, pretty pretty exa- good exactly for and three we, and a half quarters. and we talk about all the time that you know definition of a dual threat quarterback which is a guy that's first a quarterback, starting quarterback who's first or second on his team in rushing. He fit that definition, but he's on that Lamar Jackson Michael level, Vick. Michael Vick level of dual Robert threat Griffin, quarterback, yeah. RG three kind of level. Yeah. It's like, well, hey man, if you can if you can force him, and I'll see the two turnovers. Let's be honest, that was the difference in the game. Oh yeah, we Pass- do it right now based on just kind of the breakdown and everything. The difference in that game was Kyler Murray turning over twice. And Sam Ellinger not turning over at all. Yep, that is a pretty much a difference in the game. Yeah. Texas, and that's and that's attributed to Todd Orlando's defense. And Oklahoma in that game was put into a passing down situation and actually threw the ball only twice. And one of those balls was picked. The other was a twelve yard reception, I believe. So you end up 
go and look at that and then add exactly. on against TCU. In passing down situations, TCU passed 13 times against Texas. They were 2 of 13 for 30 yards on passing down situations. That shows how good your DBs and how good your pressure is because you don't want to do it whenever the, a play caller is able to get and beat the defense if you're passing on standard down situations. That's when you have success rate. It's in short and you go long. They aren't expecting it. Yeah. You can really tell the best defensive backfield statistically whenever you look at passing down situations and how well you perform. JT Daniels was a one guy. He was like 10 of 15, but it was a mediocre yardage and a the dude has a pro arm and can fit it in a small and he's window. He's got NFL wide he's doing Exactly. Too, so that's the only yeah. guy that's been successful against Texas. And in, no scoring plays have came from it, but just the idea that you faced Kyler Murray and TCU, the best two teams in the conference, arguably. Two of the best dual threat quarterbacks, too. Yeah, and you mm-hmm. held them, what, three for six, three for 15? Yeah. yeah. Three for one 15 interception. Passing. Yeah. Let's, one hold, let's hold off some thoughts on the Texas defense for just a second. Okay. I want to get back to this offense because I, I, I don't think we can talk enough about the offense. And I, I still don't think, guys, this offense is going to be elite by statistical standards or how people would measure an elite offense. But you have people have to be cognizant of the fact. Just forget the numbers for a second. Why is Texas so good on offense right now? Why, why did it come together? And I think it's really three things. I think one, something we talked about, Sam Ellinger's maturity, his confidence, and I, the confidence to me is, and I, Rod, to me that goes back to the USC game mm-hmm. when the coaches kind of said, hey, look, we know you, your completion percentage isn't going to be great, but we believe in you, you're our guy, we're going to let you take shots down the field, just kind of hang in there. And I still think yep. this game included, that still to me is the best game of this offensive staff since they've been here, going in with a plan, knowing what they wanted to do and following through and letting the plan develop and then executing it, and we saw the end result. So I think Sam Ellinger's maturity, growth, confidence and, and effectiveness he's playing with I think is one one prong to this three prong success of the offense two last year we got on the wide receivers for not being physical enough not not having it's a true. great football IQ yeah and whether it's blocking in the run game finishing plays on with yards Catching after the, the catch balling in traffic they grew up quick scramble drill situations yeah. and maybe we talked about the route tree was not very expansive in the Oklahoma true. game because it didn't need to be but maybe the the little Jordan Humphrey screenplay you can't take away from that but go back to that last drive and watch Devin Duvernay's route on his 18-yard on his 18-yard gain. He just runs kind of a little dig, kind of waits behind the linebacker, and as soon as Sam Ellinger breaks to his left to try to buy some time, you see Duvernay break out. He's wide open, clears out, and then boom, he catches it. It's 18 yards. Rod, the, this group doesn't make that play last year. So I think mm-hmm. the growth and the fact that this wide receiver group is dominating at a level that we've expected them to do for a while around here, yeah. I think that's the, the, the second part of it. And third part of it, now that I've been told by a pretty reliable source this is what happened, the fact that Tom Herman's calling plays and he's taking that thing over and oh. his voice is the loudest voice on offense. Thank because God. in the Oklahoma game – that it, had it Tom looked, Herman's fingerprints all over it. If you I look at his you. offenses yeah. through the years mm-hmm. and what they were doing at Houston, between I mean, in there, it's because it's stuff like them running the base of the same, the same simple. If I can get that out right, zone plays Better and stretch plays, but you're running them out of different formations. You got the same personnel group. And, hey, we're in eleven personnel. We can show twenty. We can show mm-hmm. you know empty backfield. Hey, you know we can do and whatever. Let's give props because and, and sorry to interrupt you, but I just want to add to your point. They've now included Andrew Beck in the like the game plan. Like he's mm-hmm. caught in like three passes. I want to say he's like, on he the field a lot. Three straight games. He had like a that. huge play on the, on a third and long where he yeah. got you know well, eighteen, now, 18 now, yards. But now yeah. you you're not wasting personnel. Back in the day, Texas offense part of the offensive identity crisis as well. You got you know five receivers out there, and one of them is not actually a receiver. Like yeah. nobody, he's not even a threat. Nobody even gives a damn. It's a wasted about him. player, a wasted player, irrelevant player. That's not the case in Tom Rizzo. When he sends Keontae Ingram out there on a uh, on a route, you better cover it yeah. because they could they could throw to Keontae Ingram. Same thing with Andrew Beck now going out and all the wide receivers. So it's I agree with you. It's simple things, but just getting Texas back into in terms of a tight end that is now a threat in the passing game, and I would like it to be Cade Brewer more, but. Hell, man, I'm not. Yeah, if I'm complaining about stuff like that, I'm like (laughs) where the Spurs were back in the day when they're complaining that they don't like George Hill, uh, you know, handling the basketball. (laughs) Like, oh, you're at that point where you're complaining about stupid stuff like that. You know what? You're doing pretty damn good. You got first world problems. So I love that Andrew Beck is now involved. I think that's part of it too, man. You have more threats now, and they figured out a few concepts. And you pointed out the power and. 
you know, uh, that like whatever that power stretch quarterback play is down on the goal line. Simple inside zone. Inside zone. Uh, putting Lil Jordan Humphrey and Colin Johnson on the same side. Keeping Lil Jordan Humphrey in the slot. I remember when we were debating whether Lil Jordan Humphrey should be in the slot or not before the season started. Remember that? It was like, well, he's not ideal. He's not what we – he's not our, uh, he p- our picture-perfect model of a slot receiver. And it's like, well, he's the best option that you have. And I think Tom Herman's figured out if you can't be with the one you love, just love your one you're with. Yeah. You know and what I mean? Like, I can't, I can't have the pro spread that I've visualized, that I've always, you know, in my mind, that I've always seen and I've always pictured. But you know what? I got Lil Jordan Humphrey and I got Colin Johnson. And he's turned Lil Jordan Humphrey into his James Casey, his Demarcus Ayers. And he's got to do more. We, we said that before the Oklahoma game. You and I, Blue, was like, we think they're underutilizing Lil Jordan Humphrey, even still. He's having a great game. And year, we both but- said, man, we see that Wildcat package. We haven't seen it in a while. I wonder if they're going to break that out. Boom. That's how I know Tom Herman's calling the plays because he's thinking like us. <laughs> great vibe, <laughs> thinking. Yeah, and it's com- like you said. It's sorry, man, but like you said, right? It's common sense stuff. It's not like you're, seven yards to carry. It's not like you're thinking that far outside the box. But again, and Herb Hands did a great job with this offensive line in terms yes. of hey, yeah. look, we're not. I don't want us to kind of know how to do ten different things. These are two or three simple ways we're going to block plays, and we're going to get really good at doing it these one or two ways. Yeah, yeah. And like y'all brought up Beck's involvement, he was a guy targeted only eight times the first four games, nine targets the last two games, which is really big. Yeah, he caught seven of them also, and even got about half of his yardage on the season in the last two. But in addition to that, you talked about you know how getting value out of a position like the tight end, which used to be say a wasted spot. So then think about when you add on top of that when. used to maybe not have the quarterback that extends the play or even on certain plays that Ellinger rolls what any other quarterback in all the NFL has faked a handoff, roll off, and runs himself out of the play for no reason other than now it's going to be 10 on 11. That's a receiver now that LJ Humphrey hits once or twice a game because it just leaks out to where the defense's aggressiveness is against it. It basically turns it into a run-pass option. And now you got Sam White open running against DBs, and oddly, he's going to plow you over because he's got 20 pounds on the rest of the DBs he will see the entire season. Texas just ran the table against the four toughest games. You know, like Maryland Tulsa were like, oh, my God, lost. Oh, my God, a one-score game. And then now we face the toughest teams. Like, wow, they just went through that stretch. That's really impressive. And and, and to your point, and one of the things I think they did is simplistically brilliant on offense. Just identify your playmakers and force feed them the football. On your few potent plays that they can't stop. And they're doing it's like that. The Belichickian it's, model, the Doug really Peterson like, model, the Andy model. We, we know Keontae Ingram. We know what he is. All right. So they got more carries in Oklahoma game than he's got in any other game. I like that. Still average over six yards a carry. So that's 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 playing he out. Healthy. Dr- he looked he looked he healthier. Looked I don't even know if he's healthy. I think healthier. That's why he's yeah. just that's improving. He's just going to get better. Lil Jordan Humphrey, Colin Johnson, they're force feeding him the football. They're in one on one situations. Oh, we got to we got to get those guys the ball. Uh, you know, Sam Ellinger, let him be Bam Bam Sam. Let him run downhill in between the tackles. Fourteen design runs for Oklahoma. Just figure out the four or five things that you are really good at and identify the couple of X-Men qualities of the players you have and go, all right, let's put them in that position more often. Let's put Lil Jordan Humphrey in the slot more often. Let's put Colin Johnson and Lil Jordan Humphrey on the same side more often. Let's, put, let's run Sam Ellinger in between the tackles a little more often. Give Keontae Ingram the ball a little more often. Like, it really it – it ain't, it ain't that hard. I think they just – I think they've actually kind of gone back to kind of the basics. Yeah. Like, yeah. This is what, what we they, do well. They we have perfect- and like you said, it ain't, it ain't 20 things. I don't even know if it's 10 things. Yeah. I think it might be like eight concepts that they do really well passing and running. They're like, you know what? Screw it. And talk to any NFL coach. Play and the see hits. That you used Play to be, hits. It used <laughs> to be re- mem- memorize a strand or page book. Now you'll hear people like McVay say, we have about eight plays and about eight variations of each eight plays, and we play those eight plays. Exactly and then right. they don't know what's coming because they think yeah. it's the same thing, and they saw this on film. Now they do this. And just to add on to your point about LJ and Colin coming into the game, yards per target, you have Colin on the year right now, 9.4 yards per target. LJ Humphrey, 11.1 yards per target against Oklahoma. What was it? Colin Johnson finished the game 10.1 yards per target. LJ Humphrey, 12.1 yards per target. Just slightly above their exactly. season averages, which yeah. is a first time down every time you throw them the ball. To your point, Rod, about just identifying when you can get your playmakers the ball, they took what Oklahoma gave them, which, and I don't know why Oklahoma never adjusted, but wow. I talked to Colin Johnson about it inside after the game. Leverage. I said, man, they were outside leveraging you guys the whole game. Like they were scared to give up the ball Crazy. down the sideline. Like, and he's Texas like, he's like, yeah, I mean, we just took the slants and the end stuff all after 
afternoon because they gave I, it to honestly, him. Honestly, I ain't going to lie to you, man. It kind of goes against kind of basic football. And I know he's like, well, you don't want Con Johnson to beat you, on the outs- beat you over the top and all that. So I was like, But yeah. on third and three? Uh, exactly. I'm, I'm like, well, it's <laughs> like, about situations. Yeah. If it's third and three, I'm not going to give a 6-6 guy the inside cut, the like yeah, inside three. leverage. That makes no sense. And it's like, well, well Texas decided, you know what? This is, well, they're going to give it to us. Let's mm-hmm. just take mm-hmm. it. We don't run a lot of inside slants and cuts. And you know what? I bet in that game, at Pro Football Focus actually uh, did the numbers with Sam. His numbers throwing inside were probably as, as as good as they've been all year long. I bet Texas ran more inside cuts and uh, slants and, and skinny posts in a game they've ran in any other game. That, this was, year. that was pretty much the route tree rod. It was yeah. it was the, it was a slant, a dig, and a post. That, that was pretty much it. Yeah. And they, didn't, they didn't need to run anything else. They, and they haven't been running inside cuts. I remember KD complaining about it on their show. They don't run enough inside cuts. That game, they decided, you know what, this is what you're going to give us. Hell, we'll take it all day, every day, and twice on Sunday. And we were talking just the last few weeks how we loved seeing Colin and LJ and how they're able to manipulate the coverage or at least get identified and help Sam with the read so it gets simplified. And then what happened this week? Oh, you added in the one thing we've been talking about is leaking Trey Watson out and having him be a guy running the wheel or just getting him out of the backfield because once you occupy that safety, nobody's there in the flat. And Trey Watson, huge place. Pro. Pro football focus numbers on Sam Ellinger passing to the middle of the field. This is inside the hashes. Uh, 20 yards down the field, middle of the field. He's one on one, 15 yards, one touchdown. Uh, 10 to 19 yards, middle of the field, inside the hashes. He was four of six for 75 yards. And from zero to nine yards up the line of scrimmage, he was 11 of 11 for 136 yards. So it was just they they let all the inside cuts go. And it's like, what? Yeah. Y'all going to give us the inside. We're going to take the yes. inside. And I think they thought Sam would, like, that he would they, they he'd throw picks in there. He'd be inaccurate throwing inside, and they'd have a chance to make plays on the ball. But he hasn't been inaccurate. He hasn't been careful with the football. Because that's what you was, want as a defense, to force him into those situations. Exactly. But that's also when you're in hope-based. You aren't – you're basically yeah. praying for a mistake instead of trying to beat him so at take, that point. They're taking away the speed uh, nine route for Devin DuVernay and the the long nine route for Colin Johnson at 6'6 six, six on the sideline and low Jordan Humphrey at 6'4. But then letting you have the inside cuts and it's like – I don't, I don't know if that was necessarily a a better game plan going in. I, I said it was you like I mean? it was like one of those it was like one of those Rocky movies where Rocky in the fight just drops his gloves and is letting just Clubber Lang or Apollo Creed just tag him for <laughs> a round or two. It's like stop, man, defend yourself. Yeah, put, put your hand, put your yeah, hands exactly. up. I would have my I would have rather have my safeties. I would rather have my safeties over the top, getting there late to the last minute. And then have time, have Sam have to make that perfect throw outside shoulder NFL throw. You know what I mean on the outside. Shoulder. And you know which I know Colin Johnson and Lo Jordan Humphrey can make rather than just giving them those easy inside yards. Man, I'm sorry. I just the, that the death of a thousand cuts yeah. as a deep coordinator. I couldn't do it. When well, um, you get the you know ball I mean? to your playmaker quicker in that time, so the defense yeah. isn't. Necessary. I mean, if you make the right reads, you That's can why really exploit it. That's why it's gone. So who's not gone is Todd Orlando, and we got to talk about this defense Let's because for three quarters of this game, Todd Orlando kind of outdueled Lincoln Riley. Now that first drive, and I don't know, if there were a lot of people at Horse Twenty Four Seven on the flagship message board that thought, ah, defense going to get run out of the building. What is Todd Orlando doing? They're unprepared. But man, that opening script Lincoln Riley had. Guys, when when when, o- when Oklahoma's clicking on offense, I I can't imagine there's a defense in the country that can stop. And I'll, I'll throw Alabama and Georgia. Well, we saw Georgia last year mm. couldn't stop them when they were clicking. I, I don't know if there's anybody in the country that can stop Oklahoma when they're on their game. No, I did. It looked it looked like uh, when Kansas City's clicking in the league. Like it looked, it, oh. it was just. It was what do you do? Post traumatic <laughs> stress though, because Texas fans are used to seeing that. Like say from the past decade, I have flashbacks of those opening series to, against Bradford or Landry Jones and. DeMarco yeah. Murray and it's like oh no oh no it's they're just gonna obliterate you and then that's been the cool thing that we've seen and we talked about Orlando and not worrying yeah. more so about the first drive it's a good sign if your team by the end of the game always seems to give up big yardage and it has a bad first quarter and then shuts the team down it's like give me that model every single day and yeah. it means a coach knows what he's doing what he's seeing and adjusting on the fly that we talk about performing in the chaos and that's another thing y'all brought up Herman on the offensive side how big it is to have a guy that is comfortable mm-hmm. in the chaos. No game is going to put a 
a pressure on a coordinator more than Texas OU and Texas history, and we've seen it go both ways for different guys, and that's why it was cool for a Texas fan to actually see it happen to Bob Stoops' brother to Stoops' defense instead of what the Stoops' defense did to Texas for what it seemed like a decade. For, for the second half, really, other than the 77-yard the touchdown pass to Marquise Brown, which Brandon Jones said after the game, they never even got the call. They were looking at the sideline. I don't know if it was – I'm assuming it was some kind of PJ check. P.J. Locke was coming over. It, at, it was some yeah. kind of check situation, but they, they never got the call, and, and that was yeah. just kind of a That's, busted play all the You know what? I know this is, this is people that are going to like this opinion. I'm going to put that more on Brandon Jones. You could see them communicating you are, in the play. You're the, you're, the, you're the guy. You're the dude. You're the senior communicator. I know it sounds crazy. They ran into but each other. I, there have been plenty of ass guys on the 48 for years. There have been plenty of times where guys don't get calls or they'll call calls on their damn own mm-hmm. on the 48 because defensively and offensively, you don't get the call in time. Hell, man, I don't know what y'all have usually play, but play it. Yeah. Like, just call it. You know what I mean? Like, there's no reason to allow in a hurry-up offense situation to allow the defense to go – allow the ball to be snapped without a defense call. Just call it. If, if he's that preoccupied on the sideline where he's not even worried about getting the call in or he's on his whiteboard or whatever the hell he's doing – Dude, you got to get a call in. Just say, we'll play whatever. Right. Just get a call in. And because at that exact same spot, you can see P.J. Locks is following the motion man over, and him yeah. and Jones are both looking to They're, the side. They yeah. block shoulders, and in the theory, if you watch basketball, the it, idea of a switch yeah. or going and fighting for under and over. It's Orlando and company to get the call out there, but if they don't get a call, he ain't playing. He ain't out there. I, I'm t- I, it's happened to me before on the field, too. Trust me, it's happened. It happens more often than you think. Yeah. Get the call. Just and, get a call. Yeah. Cover three, cover two, whatever the hell you play. Cover four, call it. You know it. Doom. Get it done. And, like, that's that's how it goes. I know Tarlando, it's on him, but as, the, as, a, as a leader out there, and I've been in that situation, Ahmad Brooks will just call it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, like, and in this situation, you, know I mean? you don't like, even the have the time for it to be a call. So whenever you are – they were looking, and luckily they were only a few feet away from the sideline as they're looking. And that's where you have to – How is there not a default call well, no, automatically that's what I'm saying. So, in, in, in Big 12 play where you have up-tempo situations – all the time. Well, well you always yeah. have a default call. Well, well this situation call, here. This is what we play. So what happened, though, was Locke and them bump shoulders. Locke thinks that he is basically going to pass him off because the ball's about to be snapped. They don't have the call, obviously, but they've bumped into each other, and they have to choose. And at that point, Jones is on the outside, Locke's on the inside. So it looks as if Locke thinks the outside guy is just going to go out the way you would do a switch in basketball instead of fighting under or over. Brandon Jones tries to fight. Because Locke's been there before. Locke's on the same level with Brandon Jones. You're never on the same level when you have to deal with tight twins because you're going to get picked with the point of tight twins. And And it happened in the Maryland game. Yep, and right, that's so exactly. Get on a different level. When they didn't even get picked, they picked each other, and it was the miscommunication. No, I, that's the that whole point. Why you're not yeah. supposed to be on the same level right. so you don't pick that, each other or get picked. And that's Either where Brandon way. Jones and Locke, instead, they just were thinking different things. Locke was that's thinking it. that he was going to pass him off, and you're going to take the outside guy. I'm going to get they this guy. They don't know what they're going to do, Matt, because they don't know the coverage. They cannot be responsibility within the coverage when there is no coverage okay, that well, is called. It was a breakdown of the most fundamental. Like, yeah. So, so I understand what you're saying, but right. how do they know what responsibility they're going to have? Well, no, I'm saying if the ball gets snapped no in this situation. So when you bump into each other, Brandon Jones, for some reason, decided to fight through and keep with his man instead of obviously, since we both are set up across from this guy, you just stay in front of the guy you're covering. Yeah, instead but that's of if they had communicated well, a buddy call, which means I take inside cut, yeah. you take outside cut, which obviously. They did not they do. They didn't have time or to if do. if there was a call yeah. of a coverage, no, I'll yeah, cover exactly. four, and within that coverage, I play my quarters, you play yours. They had no call. Uh, so totally there understand. is no coverage responsibility. My point being, make a damn call. That's so at least saying. we can figure out what we're going to do. So I That's guess on Brandon agreeing. Jones, yeah. in my opinion. That's on, and, hey, P.J. Locke, make a call. Like, the, the second who, – Well, who you call, can't make a call. The ball snaps, so the cover the guy in front of you. It's probably Brandon Jones. If he's making the calls – he yes, should have just made Jones. a call, dude. It's Brandon Jones. It's Brandon Jones. They taught Orlando. It's Brand, on him. Brandon Jones. Is, Brandon Jones has said, and yeah. PJ Lockett said, Brandon Jones makes their calls. Yeah, yeah Brandon Jones play, make the ball a call, gets dude. snapped before a call can but, be made. So that's where you think their football IQ would have just been like, I'm going to stay with the guy closest to me. My point. Yeah. My point. I was making was Sorry. 45 minutes ago. No, you, I know. You guys that was are good. a 10 you minute are, conversation about nothing. You guys Sorry. are good. <laughs> uh, after that touchdown pass, the next three drives, Rob, that's essentially where Texas won the football game. If you look at what Oklahoma did, one play minus five yards fumble. Three and out, punt, five plays and punt. That that sequence right there for Texas. Like, against Oklahoma, you don't have to be great the whole game. If you're just great for a sequence, that's sometimes all it takes, and that's when you built a 21-point lead, which goes to my second part about the defense. 
and Matt, you're, you're, I don't think I brought this up to you, but as a basketball guy, I think you'll appreciate this. Defending Oklahoma is like an NBA team defending the Warriors. Mm-hmm. You know the run's coming at some point. Mm-hmm. It's just where are you when the run happens, mm-hmm. and what is the makeup of the game when the run ends? Exactly. It just so happens that when the run started, you're up by three touchdowns, and when the run ends, hey, our offense still has a couple minutes left to go down, drive, and kick this field goal. Yeah, I agree with that. It's like somebody great analogy. going down, and then you still have a shot for a buzzer beater. Yeah, that's a great analogy. It really is. So, I mean, so that's a credit to the Texas defense. Hey, look, you held up your end of the deal for three quarters, and you you basically – Rod, I heard you say it in the postgame show, which I streamed on my way on my drive back from Dallas with you and Kevin Dunn on the Horn did an outstanding that, job. Um, you basically said Todd Orlando basically told Sam Allinger, hey, can you win this game with a three-touchdown lead? And if he said yes, great, because that's, that's what you got to do. You got to go win this game with a three touchdown lead. And if you know, I mean, that was the situation. And I think you know, for Sam and the offense, they had to win the game for the defense. The truth is, Orlando ran out of adjustments against. And I think that defense ran out of gas. I think they ran out of gas. Gas and adjustments yeah. against the best and the most creative offensive mind in college football in Lincoln Riley, and against one of the most the best athletes to play the quarterback position in college football history. Yes, right. I said it. So yeah. He just ran out of adjustments. There's only so much he could do. And I think, honestly, that the Texas offense saved him. If they'd had two more minutes in that game, I'm not sure Texas wins that well, game. Yeah, and you look at just the <laughs> law of averages, how they catch up to you. Because we've been talking about how but over the past yeah. year, Texas would lose, have a few glaring holes that would be totally exploited and say Texas had won a lot of the plays but would end up losing the game. This is the opposite in this situation because if you look at Oklahoma, they were successful on offense. Their success rate was over 60% every single time running or passing. They were as efficient. that Texas had a 9% w- post-game win expectancy that when this a game plays like out plays out like this in history you win nine percent of the times and it's because texas's defensive performance was really in the night in the sixth percentile but you look at the offense as in the 92nd percentile and they didn't turn it over and then every time that texas yeah. was given opportunity in the they maximized it. i mean yeah. it took until the second half that they hadn't even kept texas from scoring texas scored every single drive yeah. until the second half there, there's, there's a right before halftime there's yeah, about right. there's a handful of plays in this game texas made defensively that you could say won them the game the charles amena who sacked that leads to a, a punt Foster, Brandon Jones, the BJ Matt, you just yeah. brought the BJ Foster tackle for loss on the third and one that held them Big. to a field goal, and the pass breakup by yeah. BJ whenever you had BJ, a 40-50 yeah. yard pass downfield that BJ he got Foster. beat on and still f- made played the eyes yeah. of the DB with his I'll back turn and to, didn't interfere. And Jeff did say BJ Foster would be crucial, just uh, not only because he's good, but also. What I thought they was gonna play the lightning package. You, the yeah, we knew they were gonna play a lot time. of dime coming, and they played game. it probably predominantly. But BJ Foster, hell, they don't have BJ Foster in the game. You could argue. He, they did may did not they have even played any nickel until the, the fourth quarter? Mm, if uh-uh. they did, I don't really remember. It might have been situationally here and there, but yeah, I gotta go back and watch it. Yeah, I don't know sure. what Jeffrey McCullough's snap numbers was, but I looked up at the fourth quarter yeah. saw him on the field like, man, I haven't seen him much today. Yo, he hadn't played it. No, he didn't play a lot. Yeah. No, he didn't play a lot well, at all. You were dime ninety percent of the time. Yeah, no doubt Oklahoma. about it. Yeah, yeah. you look at B.J. Foster had his havoc great. He had three times pressured the quarterback, then also had that pass breakup, a sack, in the two tackles for loss. That's pretty big. I don't think B.J. Yeah. Foster will ever have an easier sack in his career where he kind of leaps over the defender, like lands at Kyler Murray's feet, like, oh, <laughs> oh hell, I'm right here. I got it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, hell, I made I it. Him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw. <laughs> but uh, no, credit credit the defense for doing what they needed to do to win the game. And Rod, again, you said in the post game show, like defense has been carrying the offense for so long around here. And Tom Herman said it on Monday. He said, "Hey, look, we've been been leaning on this defense a long time around here. It's about time the offense kind of pulled the their weight." And special teams. And, and the, thing, day the thing about this program, and this is why you see them building something. They're, Texas is getting back to being really sound and even great on special teams. And I, I said that when I did shows in Oklahoma uh, before the game, and just for it, uh, you know, for the sake of being totally upfront and honest, I did pick Oklahoma on Lohan Blitz podcast. But later in the week, as I did my research, man, I picked Texas. Yeah, and, the, and I, I and seem I, to remember somebody picking Texas. Yeah, my man oh, Jeff Howe picked Texas. Dude. So you give, need to tell us yeah, more give about your credit. But uh, the reason I did is because I think Texas is a more well-rounded team in all three phases. That's what I like about the Texas team. I mean, think about it. If Ryan Buczewski doesn't shank that punt, you could argue Kyler Murray's not in position to get that long run for a mm-hmm. touchdown. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or Texas may at least force them to, you know, have to march the length of the field. So uh, so not not pointing out that that mistake is why the special teams aren't good. I'm saying they're becoming more of a well-rounded football team where the formula doesn't just depend totally on one phase to go win it for them. The problem with Oklahoma is 
one phase of the football is winning them games pretty yes. much, yeah. and that's offense. Even though I think their def- their uh, special teams imple- improve. Now that one phase is as good as anybody's phase in the country. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Still, exactly. It, 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 there you go. But that is that you know, even you gotta be more well rounded. Even with Texas last year, their defense, one of the best in the country, couldn't carry them. You know, what I mean, you just can't. You can't because have even one special phase teams carry. as good as Michael Dixon was. You were pretty bad exactly. in pretty much every other area. Yeah, you gotta be. You can't be horrible in one phase. That's what Oklahoma. The problem is they were horrible. On this defense. is what we were praying I mean, for all porous. season. Average play. Exactly. In fact, if you can get average, average in every phase, dude, you're probably gonna be a nine, close to a ten win team. Sounds me. crazy, no. but it's not. Usually, what brings a team down is they're really, really poor in one phase, whether it be defense or special teams or offense. And then one phase can't lift up another. Just try to be at right now. Texas is really close to being average, at least average, I should say, in every phase. And that yeah. makes you as good as your stars, and that's what you want. Because if you're talking about trying to be better than average, that's exactly how you yep. fill those holes. And then a quick turnaround was last year in the NBA looking at the Rockets and how they started to fill holes, but fill with average, and then you're as yeah. good as your superstars. Yeah, now, we're not going to talk on this podcast this week big picture stuff in terms of the Big 12 because we got the bye week coming up next yeah. week. So after the Baylor game, we'll take stock of where everything Kyle, is. So our playoff discussion it, it, and all that I can't believe we're – after the Maryland no, game, that's, we're we gotta have about that discussion, that. bro. Because we talked about that last week. We said, it's, "Well, if Texas wins this game, then not only do we have to talk about them being in the driver's seat for the Big Twelve title, ooh, but which you know what happens if you win the conference, right? Then you're, you're right in the discussion for, in the for the big deal. And Texas is a blue blood. Everybody wants Texas in that conversation. So yeah, if Texas just takes care of their business. They're fine. I even said on uh, you know, and Manny Acho, uh, he said it too when he had his rant after the Texas Oklahoma game. If somebody told you watching that Texas OU game that there was a Heisman uh, contender playing quarterback in that game, watch out for him, you probably wouldn't know which team he was playing for watching that game. And you may side with Sam Ellinger yeah. if you were just watching it as an ignoramus. You well, know what I mean? If like you, that's, and I'm not gonna. I'm not saying Sam should be in yeah. the conversation. I'm just saying on the big stage, he played a great game. Yep, and I remember preseason talking about Sam being a 50 to one Heisman. Yeah, odds. I remember that. Yeah. It dropped to a hundred to one whenever it was Damn, after Maryland and Tulsa. Money too. And right now, Heisman odds are not. Available, so they, they'll <laughs> hop up in and they, yeah, they do each yeah. week. So I'll check back and make sure to mention it next week because Texas, that game when you do that on national exposure, that back in the day was one of those coming out parties because you only had one national exposure game. So That's if you true, go Scott, off, yeah. it used to affect you a ton. But you look across the board and somebody like Sam, that's an amazing swing from then, public opinion from like yeah. how quote unquote we hadn't given ourselves a starting quarterback title until like the end of camp. That's part of why I think it was big for Tom Herman when people start throwing out the question after the Maryland game, hey, what about what about Shane? Throwing Shane out there? He's like basically he said hell to the no. Like, <laughs> it ain't happening. And that's big, man. I think that infused a lot of confidence in Sam. I think it was a big part of him saying, No, this is my team. Yep. I can screw up. Yep. I can I can learn. I can grow. He's gonna allow me to grow. He's good. I'm his guy. That's Rod, big, Rod man. you were around this team in the preseason and I was out at practice and we talked to people and, and we knew like they're going to go with Sam Ellinger. Like, yeah. even when yeah. Shane Bouchelle was having kind of great practices and great scrimmages at last week at camp, I heard nothing but Sam Ellinger's the guy. Yep. And when you're that entrenched in a belief, it's not going to take one game to, to break that confidence, Agreed. to break that trust, break that belief you have in your guy. And that carries over to this week where Texas plays Baylor. And, Ooh. you know, you look at this Baylor team, guys, they're, they're a four-win team. It's hard Crazy. to believe that as bad yeah. as they were last year, they're two wins away from being bowl eligible. Matt Rule's a hell of a coach. He is. Uh, the thing that that uh, when you look at this game and just kind of look at big picture of Baylor, uh, there's a, the, the good is going back to last year, I thought this the offensive staff at Baylor did a hell of a job by saying, you know what, the plan we came in with isn't really working. We need to be kind of more wide open, be more of what this team was under our brows, and even that last year with Jim Can't Grove be with the and one Kendall you love, love the one you're with. And they've been more <laughs> wide open. The thing that I don't understand is why Matt Rule keeps kind of rotating quarterbacks, why he doesn't just stick with Charlie Brewer. Yeah, I, don't, I, don't know, I, don't know. I don't know why they're, yeah. they're continuing to rotate quarterbacks, but that's, that's to, to each his own, I guess. But Charlie Brewer, look, we saw him here at Lake Travis. Everybody around the Austin area knows what kind of guy this kid is. 
Tom Herman said he's you know really really special. He's got that kind of he's ability. He's got that it quality. So my I, mom taught him in second and, grade. And man, I mean, nice. And man, I mean, Baker Mayfield's kind of changed the way now everybody like Garrett Gilbert gave a negative connotation the way people thought about like Travis quarterbacks, but Baker Mayfield's going a long way to kind of change that because you look at Agreed. you know Charlie Brewer and now Hudson Card and and, and yeah. Matthew Baldwin's at Ohio State. So, Michael Brewer. Yeah, so we're we're kind of thinking differently about these Lake Travis quarterbacks now. But Baylor, when you look at their skill talent, Rod. Between the two running backs with Ebner and Hasty, with Denzel Mims and Jalen Hurley outside, you throw in a, a burner at Chris Platt. Their offensive skill talent, it's on par with about anybody in the conference. They got uh they got three guys that will probably play in the league at playing wide receiver for them. And it's I love their those, I love their two backs. I love their two yeah, running backs. Yeah, the skill positions I should say overall, not just yeah. it's one of those rosters where their starters are good power five conference starters, yeah. but it's the depth that they that thank you, Matt, because that's where I was gonna go, because man. They've still got issues. They've had a lot of injuries in the secondary, which is why that group is probably the weak link right now. They don't – their defensive line, Ira Lewis, they've got some guys that have played some football, but they don't have a guy like they had. There's not an Oakman, a Billings, a, a Jamal Palmer. There's not one of those guys on their defensive line. And if they have an injury on the offensive line, they have no depth yeah, in the trenches. And depth across the board, really. Matt, as you said, you know, with the with the recruiting class they had, with the when Art Browse got fired, that class kind of mm-hmm. scattered everywhere. Texas still has a few of those guys on the roster that they mm-hmm. put in with Devin Duvernay and Patrick Hudson, JP Urquidez, Donovan Duvernay. Uh, so that class kind of scattered. That killed your depth. Yeah. And you've been kind of having to play young guys. This Baylor team kind of reminds me of one of those early Charlie Strong teams, like a 2014-2015 Charlie Strong team, in terms of you'll see them have stretches where you're like, hey, man, they're putting it together. And then they'll have a fumble or an interception or a breakdown, and mm-hmm. then it's like the damn breaks, and it's yeah. like, oh, it was hell, those, it uh, the Char- those Charlie Brown uh, yeah. years of Texas football, which yeah. is half Mac Brown, half Charlie Strong, guys. I agree with you. I think it'll be a great test for the skill position defensively for the skill position guys on the outside for Texas. Because speed-wise, Baylor, Baylor matches up in the Big 12 speed-wise. Yeah. In the trenches, as you guys said, depth-wise, they just don't have the big bodies yet, and they haven't, they haven't been have a chance to recruit them. I think that's what Texas has their biggest advantage in, in, the, in the trenches at the line of scrimmage, offensively and defensively. Yeah. Um, I think skill position-wise, you know, May, Baylor can, you know, they got some guys on the outside that Texas defensive back can have issues with. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State manhandled them. Oklahoma, I should say, excuse me, exactly. manhandled them in the trenches. Because I think, oh, exactly, I think that's how you beat this Baylor team. Don't even, don't even, you don't want to get in a track meet with them because that's what they would like because they, they don't, they have, an, they have not an advantage there, but that's where they're at their, their strength. I think you attack them at their weakest. That's the line of scrimmage. And another just comical note from the Butch Jones era. I remember when Alvin Kamara was not on the field because Jalen Hurd was the focus yeah. of that Tennessee remember offense. That. That's a good point. Man, and he's a, lots of transfers. I love that dude. He's oh. he's a great athlete. So Baylor's coming. Baylor's coming off of a win uh, against Kansas State, but they're about to. Baylor's about to hit. This is officially starts kind of their hellacious run where their season could go one way or the other. They're at Texas. Uh, they've yeah. got a bye week. Then they're at West Virginia. They play mm. Oklahoma State. Mm. So yeah, they've got some some burners coming up. And then yeah. you really this is their run. It really started with Oklahoma, and then Kansas State, Texas, West Virginia. Yeah, and remember, we were pointing this out of the during the offseason, how Texas had that advantageous situation where the rest of the Big 12 may appear yeah. to be good, but then they're going to be backloaded. And yeah, it's like those West years Virginia. where Texas Tech went 7-0 and like in 2013, and then they finished 7-5 and because you play Texas, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and all those yeah. in a row. And that's literally how the schedule played out this year, and we may be seeing that unfold too. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and, and Matt, you, for Texas? Matt, you mentioned it earlier, we'll talk big picture next week, but Texas has gotten through the quote-unquote Hard part of the oh, schedule. Man. We look at that run with yeah. USC, TCU, USC, TCU, K State, Oklahoma. I mean, we were thinking, and if they're three and three, I they're still in pretty good two. shape. If they're four and two, they're great. Yeah, they're five and, one, five and one, and went undefeated through that stretch. Like I said, now we're thinking big picture, but. Rod, as you said, that's why this Baylor game is huge because you can't throw that all away if you go and yep. lose to Baylor. This is it. Uh, so as we get into predictions, we talked about the skill talent Baylor has. I just think this is a game where Baylor's going to be overwhelmed in the trenches. Matt, what's the line on this game? Uh, it's right actually thir- plummeting. Was Texas at 13? Yeah. I'm started? pulling it up right now. It's 14. It started okay. at 17. Oh, 17? And then it dropped. Look at this. It, I mean, there's been a lot of line movement. It looks mm. like at uh, 2 a.m. on the 8th, it dropped down 17. to 16 to 15 and a half. I would say that's a big line. And then it dropped down. <laughs> yeah. 
dropped down to 14 uh, at about 7 o'clock last night. So it's plummeting. Big money took Baylor plus 17 all the way down to 14 yeah, right now. So if you can wait, wait for that to maybe get wait, to 13 and a half. Go. But it's at about the dangerous point that I don't that, think it's going to move much. It, it, I think Jeff makes the best point about the Texas offense. It ain't meant to be prolific and blow people out. Like oh, that's no. not its intention. That's not how why it was constructed and how it was constructed. So even when they beat teams in a dominant fashion, hell, it's only going to be by like you know twenty points at best. Yeah, yeah Texas you know had been mean? under back to back games in Oklahoma. Game was the first game that it went over in a few weeks. Yeah, and you look at Texas Baylor. Baylor being a team that likes to run, trying to it shorten the game. Shorten it the definitely game. doesn't play out as well to cover. I, I, I woke I woke up uh, this morning actually feeling like fourteen was a good a good yeah. margin for Texas in this game. Um, I do think the defense is going to give up some points because I just think they're going to be fatigued after yeah, that Oklahoma man. game. So I think Texas wins this game. I, I think they'll be able to score against Baylor particularly. I, I think this could be the best rushing yardage game for this offense in a while. I'd, I'd actually be disappointed if it wasn't considering the advantage yeah. Texas has in the trenches with the ability to wear Baylor down. I'll take Texas to win this game something like 38-24. Whew, you're spot on, man. The over-under mm. is 61 and a half, and the spread's 14. You added it up at 62. Like, your mind did exactly what Vegas has yeah. been playing out That's kind of what I was thinking. I'll take I, them, I had no idea on the line yeah, or the over-under. I'll take them 34 to 20. Um, something like that. So yeah, we're kind I'm of still in a marveling range at Jeff. Here. Like he, that's yeah. a Rain Man type thing to hit. <laughs> that, like to hit a over under when you don't even care on it. No, Texas is over under last week was sixty. So yeah, I think it's the same situation. But Texas actually barely covers like thirty eight twenty one. All right, we'll see if Texas can get to. Texas can be bowl eligible before the bye week. They'd wow. be six and one, and next week, I guess if they're six and one, we're gonna have to start talking about not just the big picture, but the big picture, Man. if you know what I mean. Yeah, that's that's kind of crazy to think about. But it yeah, is. It is. It is. It's, it's pretty wild. But hopefully we can do it next week on no the Blitz. Doubt. Matt, thanks for everything. Oh, man. you are more than welcome. Rod B., appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. Anytime. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn, 104.9, 101.9, AM 12.60, always on the Horn app and at hornfm.com, where you can hear Rod B. each and every weekday on the Rodcast from 1 to 3. Shameless plug. And thanks to Matt. You can get us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, anywhere you get your podcasts, and always find our archives on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.